thank God we have a guest, Joe, because yeah. I'm tired of this. I'm pointing at Joe <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> I, I almost switched seats so I didn't have to stare directly at you like I always do. <laughs> but we have Kent Baki. From the historic electric electric vehicle, vehicle foundation. foundation. There we go. In uh, Kingman, Arizona. And uh, the purpose of the foundation mainly is, it's been around for about, you said, about 10 years. Yes. And um, the main purpose now, one of the main thrusts of the organization is to, with this uh, nonprofit, is to establish and, and build and build on to having a world-class electric vehicle um, uh, museum, if museum. you will, yep. and hands-on kind of a STEM thing, that kind of stuff too. Is that is that the main thrust of what's going on right now? Yes. Uh, a gentleman named Roderick Wild uh, founded the foundation and over the years amassed, uh, he's been in, involved in electric vehicles for a very long time um, and amassed uh, a very interesting collection of more than 100 vehicles. And we're, wow. so it's our, our mission to take that collection and to build not just a museum of historic vehicles, but to help promote electric transportation, mm -hmm. which in also includes not just automobiles, trains, planes, mm -hmm. big trucks, all that sort of stuff. Railroad engines as well. Mm -hmm. um, which are kind of hybrid now anyway, right? They're diesel electric is what a lot of- Right, uh, right. And then there's is, also yeah. uh, ferry boats and all sorts of stuff that mm -hmm. electric, electric transportation, electric powers, is starting to be used for so. Um, so he was from again. The, the man's name again is uh, Roderick Wild. Wild. You said he was has a connection to Kingman a while back. Yeah, or I don't something, know maybe? exactly his connection. I should know, but he he uh, lived up in Northwest, up in Washington State, mm -hmm. and he has a business called Vintage Vintage Elect uh, Vintage Golf Cart Parts. Okay, and uh, he's quite a collector. He also has some interesting uh, collection of what do you call it bone shakers penny farthings oh, those bicycles oh, with those farthing, big yeah. tall wheels really we have a really cool bike shop here uh, you need to meet uh, in fact i wanted to introduce you to him i don't think he ever met ed mann who has a bike shop downtown and he loves the idea of of getting a penny farthing and uh, and messing around with it, he and wants he, to make a carbon fiber one. Is what he wants me to ooh. do. And <laughs> that he also that's how, like I, yeah, the mixture of the the new and very old. Mm -hmm. And he looks like a Wright brother with the mustache. He and really body. does. He really does. <laughs> Especially when you go to a shop and he's in his gear, you think he's building something cool. weird in the back. Yeah, yeah he right? had, he has a uh, his face is a little, little bit gaunt with a nice with the older looking kind of mustache, and yep. if he wears wearing coveralls. He's straight out of uh, Ohio working on yeah, 100%. Uh, aviation. And um, yeah, and he, he, he's been on our podcast a couple times before because he's a really interesting guy to talk to with the mechanics he knows and his philosophy on different things and that kind of stuff. But is that where you met? Um, uh, uh, met, met him was up in Seattle? The um, Yes. Uh, there's a, a fairly old electric vehicle association called Seattle Electric Vehicle Association. And I must have joined there in the early 90s, got my... Got my second electric vehicle in 1993, which was a 1973 Volkswagen Beetle that was converted to electric. Now, was that conversion done in the states, or yeah, that okay. was done by a company in Seattle okay. called Beetles Unlimited, and they would they worked on they they were restoring just Beetles back then, but mm -hmm. they got into the electric bug. <laughs> they got the electric bug. Anyway, no <laughs> no pun intended. Yes. And so they we they said what color you want? We said red, so they they found a vehicle and restored it. 
and uh, put 96 volts of lead acid batteries in it and that's where that's where my second vehicle so i'm since i said second i feel i need to so in the early 60s i bugged the heck out of my dad to build me an electric mini bike okay Ooh, had a, had okay. a six volt battery with a starter right. motor I have to, and an on off switch i have to ask this so how did, how did you initially you were very young obviously and then what what was the first thing that you went i want to do an electric this or that like what what was the hook do you think that That's, well it's hard to exactly remember but in the 60s uh like i had a subscription to popular science magazine mm-hmm. and there was a flurry of electric activity starting to be talked about before the you know the energy crisis and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and uh you know back then i think if i vaguely remember you know la was really polluted and so they were starting to oh look, yeah look for uh, alternatives and things and uh so somehow and and there was starting to be like little battery operated boats and things you know for kids kids stuff and so i i would mess around slot cars slot cars, slot cars oh electric. that'll do it so yeah. probably it's not I, like the smell of an electric slot car motor turning it <laughs> how many rpms i god and, knows <laughs> and yeah. speaking of aviation also hovercrafts and stuff were, were starting to become interesting yeah back then and i remember building a a hovercraft out of a uh a cottage cheese container with a little electric motor at the sure. slot car track i mean i didn't you know it didn't go anywhere it didn't go down but you'd put the con the brushes on the slot and sure. you get this thing to go and you get to the hover right there yeah so i don't know how those things contrived together that's fact it was early on though the hook was kind of set early on to play around with electric uh anything really electric yeah. motion of yeah of, so how that mini bike uh the, was that one of those uh kits because i used to have popular science magazine and popular mechanics and when i was in boy scouts boy's life because there was always the last like two or three pages that just had these neat ads of something you just like send off for plans for this <laughs> like a four-wheeled bicycle it was one of my that's one i always wanted to build and i never did i'm glad because i barely like bikes that are two wheels now i love my bicycle i'm just thinking why would i i was so pressed i just wanted to buy that out of the back of the magazine but i know what you're talking about i remember seeing those various kits where you just send away either for plans or no this was uh i don't know exactly where i got the bug but my my father had a a business it was called lakeside truck buddy company and and we were we'd come from wisconsin where the dairy industry had these uh there was a thing called a truck body where you get a a truck and a chassis right a frame Mm -hmm. and then you put something on it that's the body you put on it could be a, Mm -hmm. a box it could be a flatbed whatever kind of catered to whatever kind of business people would kind of yeah sort of and know. so we grew up i grew up in central california in farming community so um anyway so he had a a, a big welding shop basically and mm-hmm. um and he was pretty good with his hand so we bent up a, a mini bike frame and stuck a had a belt-driven starter motor in there with an on-off switch no, so it wasn't even a kit you just kind of did no it just you know just i mean of, i think yeah. i already had a mini bike but it wasn't you know, it wasn't that exotic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had an on-off switch, and, you know, it would go at least a mile. <laughs> 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 uh, but anyway, I thought that was pretty cool, but I don't know whatever happened to so it. So it started, this is years ago, like a lot of people have interest now, uh, thanks to really Elon Musk getting kind of excitement back into it. But it's been around forever. It just took a while to get to get going and it, have someone kind of bring it all together and make it worldwide popular but so you had your second and then was it like a kind of like a drug like hey i need another one now and here's a kind of cool one and then this is what happened and 
Well, back in the 90s, you're still de- still dealing with lead acid batteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put on like 20,000 miles, 30 miles at a time. <laughs> oh That's God. how what it range was. <laughs> and there wasn't any 220 volt chargers or no. at least that I knew of. So, you know, you charge for 12 hours and you go 30 miles, you know, but. I thought it was pretty cool. Thirty miles would be cool though, without the sound of a an engine really shifting gears, anything like that. I actually I'm curious about the bug that you had. The, the did that uh still have the four speed? Was that somehow yeah, was yeah, it still had the transmission? Just it was it just, actually a very easy conversion. I mean you'd you you pull out the engine and you get an adapter plate and it had a DC motor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in at in the 90s, they had some decent controllers out. Mm-hmm. But um, and, then, and actually, it still had the back seat and everything. The first oh, wow. the first version had 96 volts. Mm-hmm. And then I moved up to 120 volts of six volt flooded lead acids. There was 1300 pounds of batteries in that thing. <laughs> and in Seattle, <laughs> Seattle's hills. So <laughs> yeah, coming down some of those things and you know, pulling on the steering wheel as hard as you could to push your foot as hard as you can into the brake to slow to it slow down oh, at the end man. of it there's a few shaky uh, uh and these stops. weren't uh disc brakes i would imagine no they're... for a long time they said oh disc brakes don't do anything and by the time <laughs> I, finally i put disc brakes on it, and it was like why did i wait so long but yeah because they actually work those yeah. disc brakes become a safety feature at that point yeah so uh, the fast forward so then i put we did another version with uh that was 120 volts, and I went up to 144 volts. And then in somewhere in the early 2000s, like 2005 or something, there was a company called Valence who was willing to sell. They had a battery. It looked just like a lead-acid-sized 12-volt battery, mm-hmm. but it was lithium. Oh, okay. And they were they were super expensive, but I had sold some stuff, and I had a little bit of cash. and mm-hmm. So I, I bought a set of those, and it took like, you know, it went from – 1300 pounds of batteries to 450 pounds and and at that point the Volkswagen had been sprung you know for a heavier weight so it became pretty stiff but (laughs) it was like oh this is what it's all like yeah it was uh the advancements were slowly happening at that point yeah so that was that was kind of and I also was involved in uh electric radio controlled airplanes okay and so kind of followed that battery tech I mean when I first started with electric controlled radio electric powered radio controlled airplanes the best thing they had was NICADs. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, they I were, remember the NICADs. They were pretty heavy. And then they came out with the nickel metal hydride and then eventually into lithium. When they first came out, the metal, the metal, the, the model aircraft, this is now as in Manning, people were just starting to play around with it. Very lightweight styrofoam right. <clears throat> wings and stuff like that. But it was so impressive you know, what they would do. And they had to, they changed out, they would charge a lot of batteries and swap them out and swap them out. But the batteries would get hot, yep. of course. And some of them would get really hot and start melting things. But it was, it was so cool though, because it was a different sound and how quick it responded and it would never would run bad. <laughs> it was just right. running. It just full, ran. Or full tilt boogie. You can, yeah. yeah. It was such a cool, it was easy to see at that point how it was going to be something. Mm-hmm. How it was going to turn that hobby sort of around, which it has. Com- com- completely. So um, then you were collecting more, and then I mean, how did how did this come about to where it turned into sort of a Kingman centric thing to, to where to where it, from all of that? I know we're skipping a lot of details here, probably, but but how did it go from that to to this? Well, I think uh, Roderick was uh, living in Kingman, and I think because of the Route sixty six story mm-hmm. and. 
And I think he's, there we have some vehicles in Cottonwood, so I'm not sure exactly what Cottonwood had to do with it. But anyway, um, they had started looking at Kingman as a, a really good place to be mm-hmm. in terms of location. And I think the Route 66 is a big part of it. And um, But anyway, there was a uh, some tragedy in some of the people on the board that like died. They mm-hmm. were supposed to be the people like taking over things. And so there was this period of time when, and then uh, Roderick got uh, very ill himself. Mm-hmm. And he ended up also living in Croatia Hmm. And anyway, okay. So there's all these things that contrived to to make it very challenging to keep things moving well, forward, you, and so it's the the organization has been being rebuilt in the last couple of years. Were you on the board back then? No, no, I I got on the board only about a year ago. Okay, you're so, you're currently on on the I'm, on the board. I'm currently on the board, and I'm president. Okay, well so, there you go. Yeah, so now all the fun comes to you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I hadn't really been to Kingman before this. I mean, I I came to visit the. What's the powerhouse, which has the Route 66 Museum and mm-hmm. the Route 66 electric vehicle, has a electric vehicle display museum. And that was a number of years ago. Where I wasn't involved in the organization at all. But, but was the organization part of part of that at that time, of the, the, the electric vehicle museum downtown? Was that the same group sort of involved with that? I know the city was involved a little bit at that point. Yeah, well, and, it's the, the powerhouse. The city of Kingman had that. And <coughs> so the, the foundation, or rather Roderick, had had loaned electric vehicles to the city mm-hmm. to have, have, or I mean, I'm sure he negotiated to have them there, but anyway, they've had that collection there of about 30, 30 plus vehicles. And it's, yeah. a, it's a nice, has a nice cross section of things anywhere from really old stuff to like the world land speed record of electric vehicles at some point. Yeah. It's still, and, and you guys have, as you point out, you've got some vehicles, maybe even in Cottonwood or you got, you have other vehicles stored around here too. I understand. Right. And in we're the Kingman area. So it's been, we've been working hard on developing a plan to build a museum. Mm-hmm. And when I say museum, it's not, it's not meant just to be looking at old stuff or anything mm-hmm. because we really want this to be, uh, we want to be a part of the development of the future of electric vehicles right. as well. Which is this really important. We, we found out when we, as you know, we're working on a museum out here and Tom Valentine, the art director I was telling about, he was the one that helped us design the facility actually. He's mm. still working on it with us. But um, early, early on, a handful of years ago, there were people that we spoke to that said, all right, all you aviation people, you can't just have a bunch of smelly old dusty airplanes in this museum. It's got to be hands-on and kids and STEM. And I said, no, we're, we were 100% behind that from the beginning. And, um, it, and it needs to be. We want to tell the story of, of this airfield during World War II and before and why it, it exists. But half of the museum needs to be forward-thinking in, in materials and propulsion and and how an airplane flies, and we wanted, we wanted, I, there was at some point we had a meeting where I said, I want it to be such a cool place for kids that I want to hear kids crying when they have to leave. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's, that, a, that's awesome. That's awesome. a perfectly acceptable goal, because I, yeah. I can tell you, my favorite museum, I have two museums in my past that I just absolutely love, and I, every time I get a chance to visit them, one is the United States Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, which has super old stuff, they have yeah. Wright Brothers wind tunnels, wind tunnels and wow. whatnot all the way forward. And then they have the R&D gallery that's like the space, getting more into space space uh, travel and so on and so forth. And then they have all these interactive exhibits at the tail end. This is all winding through four giant hangars. And at the tail end. And they're giant hangars. They're, they're big, very big hangars. Yeah. Uh, and you, wind, you kind of wind through 
the whole history of aviation to now and then in the future what and they have working models of all sorts of electric aircraft and ion propulsion for satellites and things like that that are just barely being developed well wow. and there's another museum in columbus called the it's COSI. it's a center of science and industry mm-hmm. and it's all interactive it's four stories and it gives like the history of industry in the ohio valley area but also what are the STEM fields that are being done at Ohio State, Bowling Green, Case Western, like more technical colleges and whatnot. And everybody just from all the different universities in Ohio contributes to it. And I've, I will literally go there at those two places every time I visit my family. Cool. Once or once, usually once a year, sometimes a little less than that. But I, and I, I'm glad that that's going to be an element uh, in this uh, museum. It's almost like you don't want to call it a museum. Yeah, right. it, 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 but, you're, but, you're right about that. You almost yeah, don't want to. Because museum just, you think, old stuff. Yeah. And, but it's not, I don't know, uh, even like the Phoenix Children's Museum, Indianapolis Children's Museum, those two are world-renowned for having, yeah, this is history of stuff, but they've always had hands-on with some sort of tech because that's how you get people interested in things and then they grow up to be, you know, flight engineers on a space shuttle or something like that. And, and it's, a, um, it's a thing, too, where I'm sure you've, we all have been to fantastic museums where you want to copy or more or less copy good ideas of what they've done. And, and there's a lot of other museums that aren't laid out so well that I, I walk into some of these places and go, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't even know where to go. <laughs> but right. but you're looking to build a, like we are also, because I've seen the rendering, um, I mean, kind of a world-class museum where it could be, you could pick it up and pluck it anywhere in the U.S. where it's urban, rural area, and it would be, worth going to is, is right. the kind of facility it looks like to me you want to have and and as you pointed out in route 66 it's about transportation anyway we're on the mother road and it's a perfect location plus you know i-11 is going to be coming through here you know 93 and i-11 and i-40 which is here now it's a great location to have the intersection of all the stuff going on and have a world-class facility which is what you're hoping for yes uh, we're excited to be here in kingman it's really a really a cultural crossroads of automotive aviation history so much so much history that i'm constantly learning about i really enjoy have you learned about the camel history of the kingman area (laughs) the beal the camels i just saw that today we took a tour through the with josh at the the the, powerhouse yeah Yeah. and saw the mural of the camels and stuff it's so funny i had no idea it's really wild that's and i remember hearing about that when i was a little kid reading you know either old zane gray novels or whatever and they would talk about edward fitzgerald beale and had this bonkers idea to bring camels to the desert which makes perfect sense until you kind of strip back from the surface a little bit and realize that camels uh they don't they're not in rocky desert yeah, they want sandy. they want sand, so they didn't really work out here. But uh, I, they must have been perfectly fine because apparently, I, I think this is Jim Hinckley told me this. Up until like the early '60s, there were wild camels that had gotten they had gotten loose and survived the, the and... 1960s and survived. So <laughs> wow. apparently, they do okay when they're unladen yeah. and just running around free in the desert, uh, which I've always found to be hilariously interesting about this area because there's, yeah. There's lots of weird transportation history in this area, going up to and including camels. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of electric automobiles. Now, Joe has known this, and I've known this for a while, too, and you'd be the perfect person to talk about and go down this path. But, I mean, early on, like some of the earliest, if not the earliest, cars were electric, were they not? Like early, early on. Studebaker, which, for those that don't know, I mean, they were were building 
uh, covered wagons, wagons mm-hmm. like starting in the 1860s. Yeah, they were or Studebaker Coach Company, if I or Studebaker. They were 1860s. I heard that they were at one time the largest producer worldwide of wagons. Okay, and their first automobiles, far as I know, um, were electric. Okay, they went to gasoline later on. Do you know a? Do you know about what year that would have been that Studebaker did that? I want to say 1902, something like wow. that. Wow, maybe yeah. 1903. And Porsche had one too. Yes, wasn't it early? The first, early on? the first vehicle to have a to have the Porsche name on it was the Honor Porsche, and it was actually a hybrid. It was right. a diesel, electric, diesel electric. electric. Yeah, with wi- motors in each wheel. Yes, which is way ahead of the curve. And I want to say that might have even been slightly pre nineteen hundred, like late eighteen. Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah. Ni- uh, eight. I want to say eighteen, probably eighteen ninety five. If I had yeah. to guess, if I had to remember from my Porsche book that I owned. Uh, and then, but also, I, I have to really Ford. Quit. Ford had electric also early, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Ford or not? Am I, I not maybe he, right? He and Edison were working on a project because Edison had a very good battery. Um, and that that would be a very fascinating story because I I it just went silent. It's very very <laughs> curious. It, it's still huh. very. I wonder why. I don't. I don't <laughs> think that it's fishy at all to say that there were a a handful of magnates in that era (laughs) that basically not to not have have electric cars (laughs) the names have been changed to protect the innocent or protect our innocence so but i do wonder if if they're um in a little bit different uh past if 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 oil wasn't discovered to be used in internal combustion engines the way that it was would there? Do you think we would have almost all electric now, or they would be just another part of the way that you get around? Like it would be just a bigger presence right now if it didn't get steered away for so many years, because it's rapidly coming back now, right? As we know, but you know, I've often wondered if you'd if you'd. I mean, there have always been batteries and battery technology used, you know, ever since batteries were created and people working on stuff, but. If they'd had more impetus to develop other tech, you know, battery chemistries and stuff for as long as they had over the last hundred years of gasoline automobiles, what it would have been like. But Mm -hmm. um, I I think there's more to that story than than we're told. But but I'm sure there is. What I've been fascinated, and I thought I knew a little bit about the history, but as I... I've been collecting uh, ads and things off of eBay, vintage electric vehicle ads, mm-hmm. and I'm, I was stunned to find out that in the early 20s there were more than a hundred thousand electric vehicles on the road. Now, that's compared a, that's to, a pretty good number. Well, compared to, you know, compared to gasoline cars at the time, it probably was a, a drop in the bucket. But that's still a big number. Yeah, that I would have never have guessed, and most people would never have imagined. And there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uses uh, like in cities for electric trucks and delivery things and taxis mm-hmm. stuff that didn't need long range mm-hmm. you know back when you had the horse and you know horses still in cities and then you had the early electric cars were noisy and smell and gas cars noisy and smelly mm-hmm. i mean electric vehicle would have been ideal yes absolutely. four wheel drive ones i mean mm-hmm. it it's it's pretty fascinating so it, there's it's, a lot it's, to be it's like it was an intentional step backwards it really feels that way it's like and i remember the first i had a buddy that bought a uh, tesla model 3 pretty early he ordered one early on so he took fairly early delivery and i was a fan of the tesla stuff years ago when they you know i when the first roadster came out i thought god i hope this makes it and i thought i wasn't quite sure if it was going to you know how it was they were so expensive but i didn't know 
Elon's big plan at that point. And then he got heavily involved with Tesla. And of course the S made the corner turn. But, um, so this friend of mine ordered one, Tommy Stoy, you know, mm-hmm. back east and went back there to work on a, on an airplane at a private airport. And he was there working on something else. And, uh, so I got to drive one fairly early on when the model three came out. And, um, and I was really, really wanting, I was already a fan of the vehicles and what Elon was trying to accomplish. So, um, I went there and it was so cool because I was working on this plane. He goes, Hey, do you want to have, what time you want to have lunch? We'll take my car. I said, you're damn right. We're going to take your car. And he goes, <laughs> uh, when, when, uh, what time you want to go? I don't know. I'll be ready in 30 minutes. He goes, okay, cool. And he went to his phone. That's what he doing. He goes, I'm turning the air conditioner on of the, of his phone, you know, from his, I went, really? He goes, yeah, it's great. And we're going to go, we're going to have lunch at this place has a char, a fast charger at a certain really cool restaurant, 20 miles away or something. So, um, this airport was a private little airport. Like it was private, meaning it wasn't just an airport community. The guy that we were using the hangar at owned the airport and there was no other houses around there. So we got in, his car was nice and cool and we got there. And so I sat in the, I said, well, I guess you don't start it, do you? And he goes, no. He goes, just the stalks, you know, how you move it back and forth. This is the first time I experienced it. And then we kind of went out on the runway, which again, no one's there because it's one guy's airport. And, uh, I said, I want to, is it okay if I just floor it like everybody wants to do? He goes, yeah. He goes, but I really want you to, it was a dual motor. He goes, you should lean back and kind of plant yourself in the seat a little bit. And he goes, also, I, I hope you're not disappointed because I know that you, you have this idea in your mind, what you're expecting with these cars. And uh, I hope it's going to, you know, satisfy you, whatever. And I went, all right, cool. So I went back and I just floored it i said i'm gonna go all the way like immediately all the way to the floor he goes that's fine and so we did that and i just started laughing i could not stop laughing i said you've got to be i probably dropped the f-bomb multiple times i said you've got to be kidding me are you are you kidding me it was such an it was a it was a moment it was like holy cow it was just in as you know i don't have to talk you into this but it was just and then the whole big screen with the technology and where the charging stations are and how many miles you have and you can get to which charging. And it was just, it was a whole new thing. And um, so we got to the restaurant and he was going to play. I said, hold on, I'm going to plug it in. He goes, okay, because he calmed down, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Joe can imagine me no. being my personality type. I, just, yeah, the <laughs> the intensity there. I want to plug it in, just <laughs> y- yanking the cord. You're like the, like, can, hey, Dad, can I shift gears for you? Like, that's, that's. You, but you and Tommy are the same age. In, right. In his, it's incredible. So then we plug it in, of course, and we're having lunch, and then he gets a notification, and he goes, oh, I got to go. Oh, you're right back. I got to move the car or whatever. And he went, what's that? Because I had no idea. He goes, it's about full, and I got to move it. I went, this is, this whole world is just incredible. You know, so he moved it and came back and was almost topped up. And, and then I remember coming back, these are, this is in South Carolina. So there's kind of wide, uh, winding country roads. And so there are other little stop four way stops or little drivers where people can come in or a construction truck can get in front of you. And then it's a frustrating moment because now you don't know when you're going to be able to pass this person, you know, because it's, it's, there's not a lot of straight sections, not a problem with the, with electric vehicle, it just isn't. In fact, it's almost welcome. At some point, it's like, oh, cool, a guy pulled in front of me. And then one little gap is, you know, you can you can pass. Now, I never f- made him afraid that I was going to be a little bit too risky at all. But as you know, it's just instantaneous. You can yeah. just, you can, it's a safer vehicle. Then I get back home. I was hoping you were going to bring the, the flip side of this. Because he was <laughs> depressed 
when he got back to Kingman and had and that to was drive a fairly his new, truck. Fairly new truck at the time. I got into it and I went, "This is." I got in and this is just sad. The whole I got a key and I've got to start it up. What do you mean I have to start it? it, it <laughs> oh, dang! Yeah, right. And 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 then and then it's a turbo charge. Which has so much lag in that thing. Yeah. Which is the opposite end of, the course, the instantaneous. And I'm talking to... Ken's just looking at me like, yeah, I know. I've known this since the 70s. Yeah. You know, he's looking at me yeah. like... <laughs> they were a little slower back in the 70s. Yeah, I know. But it was... And then... But this has enough turbo lag. And it's like it's almost unsafe in certain parts. I mean, I've got to get... I've got to get this. So I was... Yeah, it didn't have the effect that Tommy thought it might. Like, I'd be disappointed. It just... The hook was set even deeper. You know, it was like... It was crazy unbelievable. And um, we used it all the time. I drove it around with him, mostly with him, for about a week while I was working on that airplane. And it was, it was, and now the new, of course the new Model Three came out, the new version, the new, um, mm. um, what was the project I, called? I can't Hi, project Highland. Highland. That's right. what it was called. Yeah. yeah. But now it's coming out in China now, and it's 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 made with many fewer pieces and longer range and better tech and across the board and uh they're just amazing it really made me want to have one have one more without any price i don't have one yet there's a certain thing i'm trying to sell that i want to get rid of and then as you maybe know the model s has just came down ten thousand dollars just last week they oh. their price just they came down ten thousand from the x and the s so they're getting even a more affordable chunk right now now but anyway back to the weird history not weird history but yeah. the a lot of people don't know the history of electric cars, electric vehicles in the United States or and worldwide. I knew this early on because of Jim Hinckley. Jim oh. Hinckley and I worked together. When I was 20 years old, I worked at a car lot as a uh, like a lot porter, lot attendant, you know, cleaning up the car, detailing them. Yep. People rented cars there as well, but they also sold cars. So I was a lot porter, and Jim Hinckley worked the rental desk, and I got to have a handful of conversations with him. And uh, somebody came in looking to trade in a Prius. And this Prius, they, I mean, the Prius only, the first model year, I think it was 99 or 2000. Right. So this was 2001. And, you know, look at these hybrid things. What do you think? This, this is going to take off. And Jim Hinckley, who loves history, and just any time you want to do that, he sees an opening, he will educate someone. And I, I love him <laughs> for that. Whether and you want to be educated whether or not. Whether you want to be or not, you're going to be. <laughs> and I, he's such a genuine, he's just a mensch. He just really is an uber mensch. And he uh, he just enlightened me to said, you know, the some of the first vehicles, first off, he said the first hybrid, like hybrid electric and, and gas engines or hybrid and gas vehicles were created in the United States in the late 1800s. That blew my mind. Yeah. And then... He's also a firm believer, like I am, that uh, that the oil companies got together with you know you know other other big manufacturing companies that said we're going to do oil, we're not doing electric, and it quashed it. But I remember that in 1920, I think that was the the year that there were about 100,000 electric vehicles, full electric vehicles on the road in the United yep. States, which was again I also was blown away when he told me that statistic. I thought, and then I remembered seeing old pictures and old-timey video of downtown Dayton, Ohio, which is, you know, this is the nearest big city to where I grew up. And they actually still have electric trolleys there. They run on rails. Oh, they still do. They, have, they run okay. on some, about half of them run on rails, and the other ones, they ripped the rails out, redid the, just repaved the streets, and they're electric buses that that run on the same trolley lines. Right. The exact same electric overhead lines. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And they still have those. Uh, and it is, it's nice. Like, it really is. You just hop on. They, like, when Phoenix put it, started putting in the light rail 25 years ago, and it's now 20% complete. 
They're like, oh yeah, I can go from one side of the valley and do this. And it's going to be great. I'm like, you can. It's do now twenty percent complete. Yeah, yeah like I, th- that, yeah. I think it. Like what they want to do with it is twenty percent complete. So yeah. sometime in the next century. But uh, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. And Dayton was a, a huge um, hub because it was right there in the Miami Erie Canal. It was like the offshoot that went from Ohio, the Ohio River, all the way north to Lake Erie. So you had the canal boats coming through there. Well, that's exactly where they built the railroads. And they had electric ferries and whatnot because they would run along the canal. This is the 1850s. Wow. And they had electric, uh, just like you would have electric uh, trolley lines above or you know, for trains. They had for boats, for they ferries? They had for, for ferries. They, there no there weren't very many of them. Yeah. And they didn't go very far, but it was the heavyweight stuff that they couldn't get a team of 40 you know, mules to pull alongside. Cause, you know, they had the canal boats were pulled alongside with mules, uh, with yeah. mules and they had the you know your canal um, uh, trail and uh, and your canal boat but some of the heavier things instead of having to use 40 mules or even more to pull some ore and, and this and that you know s- s- weed and sorghum and whatever they else they grow back there it, they would use uh, they, they would use electric assist essentially mm-hmm. so you had hybrids wow. that were livestock and or horses or mules or whatever they would be and then electric uh, uh electric motors turning uh, turning propellers which i didn't find that out until i was probably 14 or 15 because there's there's not a lot in troy ohio for tourism they want to get tourists in there but that canal did run through there and there was tons and tons of stuff and we're talking supplies to uh to fight the civil war and whatnot all went through that town. It was one, wow. one of the bigger towns wow. that grew along the canal. And that was one of the big things in the museum that we learned, you know, that was that they used electric motors to power these boats in the 1850s, 1860s. So yeah. Kent, I was going to, I think we may have talked about this when you were in town a handful of weeks ago. It's been a while now, but one of the coolest things that I saw, I think, I think it may have been um, Al Bowers who used to work for NASA. He was pretty high up at NASA as a friend of mine. Now he's retired, but um, he sent me this thing, or he posted something on Facebook. I think it was Facebook. Can't remember, but it's this huge, um, and you may know about this, it's this huge dump truck, big dump truck, and it's, I don't know if it's in Central or like South America or somewhere in Europe, but it's a, uh, it mines whatever ore it is, and it's up in a mountain. And this dump truck is all electric, and it's electric regenerative braking, but it creates more electricity than it uses because it goes up empty up in the mountain and they load it up with heavy, heavy, heavy ore and they use regenerative or charging as it's coming down when it's super heavy. And so, and they dump it off. And so it makes more electricity than it uses because it's heavier coming down and it's lighter going up. And then I think at night they use the, they plug into those big trucks to power the security lights and stuff. And people can they use the battery from the truck to power the yeah, security to do lights. Other oh, stuff. I, I like that. So <laughs> it's, it's one of the, I said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen maybe because it's, People say, oh, it just costs more electricity. To, it makes its own because it's carrying, it weighs three times coming down as it does going up. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, thing that, or not? that's an amazing story. Yeah. I remember reading about that. that and, and these are opportunities you can't have with ice engines. And I, I still love the sound of an old Porsche Flat 6. There's sure. nothing like it. Sure. Nothing like it at all. But um, the technology behind electric and and with the lack of pollution and and uh, you can recycle the batteries and the, all the stuff they're working on is just, it's wide open now. The technology, it's, everything's wide open, which, again, is something you can talk about all that at your, your museum and, and tech center. when it gets, I'm sure all this will be part of the whole experience. Yeah, there's a lot, 
lot of a lot of story to tell, not just historic stuff, but all the like like you talk about uh, things that are happening now. I mean, as well as ferry boats and all sorts of stuff. I mean, mo- like that most of the trains are hybrid. Mm-hmm. They have, I think, they're driven by electric motors, but all the electricity is generated by large diesel engines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they run the. It sounds like you're running it with the diesel because the diesel revs up, but it's just increasing the electricity that then goes to the wheels. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it just makes so much, so many things much easier if you have electric motors. Yeah, and it's it's what I think is a shame is it's all not all of it, but there's a big chunk of that's been politicized that I can't stand. It just it's yep. it's crazy that that's the and that's a big anchor or a, a hamper to a lot of this and it's completely unnecessary and just not true it's that's the part that just drives me crazy sometimes do you do you look beyond that now or does it still kind of bother you because i know that you, it's there i know that you know it's there but i try to avoid the uh, political side of uh, electric vehicles <laughs> i mean i don't know if that's possible let's see it, how many things anyway. we can politicize I, yeah right <laughs> i mean i i'm with you and my personal thing with the electric vehicles is like why would we limit the amount of ways we can go fast like i just i and i've gotten myself into trouble there's a reason i don't own a motorcycle anymore and there's a reason i don't own a, a, an atv anymore because i start going fast and i forget how much it hurts when you stop real fast yeah and i get a little too dumb and i i've hurt myself multiple times but i love the idea of going fast quietly mm, yeah i'm just enamored with, yeah. with 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 that thought and i actually i've only ever ridden in one pure electric vehicle and it was actually an off-road uh, dune buggy that ran off of like lead acid like they were all i mean they were all this guy had so much money wrapped up in this thing but it was two dc motors driving the rear wheels and it was a dune buggy. it was about a 14 foot long mm-hmm. off-road machine yep and it was really strange because i'd ridden in those and driven those and helped a couple friends build those but i was probably 25 or 26 and it was a gentleman here in town that worked for me and he shows up in this thing i thought what the hell is this thing he goes well it's all electric i built this and it was all optima batteries no oh, yeah oh yep. man and it was i think he had six or maybe eight but it worked because that thing was too light without them because the DC motors, there's not hardly anything to it. Right. That thing is built to have at least a, a four-cylinder Volkswagen engine mounted to it is what that frame was designed for. And he said it actually kind of balances out. Mm-hmm. It's a little heavier than if you would have had a, a, a flat four in there or some people put Subaru engines and you know whatnot. But I he let me drive it, and it was torque on demand. It only went about 50 Mm-hmm. But that was fast enough, yeah. and he limited that with his controller, <laughs> right? Because he said, "I want to, I want to have fun doing that." And he, he, he said, "Did you ever have one of those electric RC cars when you were a kid?" I said, "Yeah, I absolutely did." And then I had batteries took forty five minutes to an hour to charge, and you got about eight minutes of fun. And of really said, of haul yeah. ass fun, and, yeah. and it would haul ass. So if you scale <laughs> yeah. that up, that would be like this thing going one hundred and twenty miles an hour for eight minutes. That you just it's so scalable. And then I was, I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of a gearhead. Not always been a gearhead. I had to be a gearhead because I was poor and I always had crappy cars. So I had to learn how to. That's how I learned how to work on cars. So there's. I have a friend of mine who's a. Well, you know Jesh. Uh, Jesh is a total gearhead and he un- knows how to work on everything on cars. Right. He said, uh, "We need to really redo the drum brakes on your truck." And I said, "Cool. Can you help me with that? I've never done it." And he said, "What? You've worked on like multi hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of hot rods over the years, but you've never done drum brakes." I said, "No." Because I never had a vehicle where the drum brakes went bad. If I didn't like, if I didn't 
have something break that I couldn't afford to have someone else fix. That's what I learned how to work on. But at that point, I met this gentleman with this electric you know, off-road machine. He said, this is so much easier to work on. There's so many fewer uh, moving parts. The maintenance is so much less. You're not ha- you don't have like, you know, suck, bang, blow. You don't have compression. You don't have that. You just go. All right. And it's it's that and I've been fascinated with them ever since. And then I finally saw I think it was very shortly thereafter I saw a, a Tesla Roadster on the freeway in, in Las Vegas. This would have been fifteen years ago. And I oh shit, they they really made more than the one I saw on YouTube. And I and then it just became <laughs> bigger and bigger from there and one day I'll have one. Once the Model Threes come down in price like a used BMW, then maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to afford one. And I'm just I'm I I don't the politici- politicization of the the, of electric vehicles is just I, I just kind of you have to like you, sh- you just have to shrug it off and go they're they're here to stay yeah it, it, and that happens and I, I think a lot of people change their mind when they get the opportunity to actually drive in one like as bad as they want to hate it they might kind of go that actually was pretty well incredible. and also word is spread from I've heard yeah. from several people I've talked to that finally they bit the bullet because either they're spouse one of them too or the comp their company that because they drive for a living or drive a lot of miles they're like no we're getting an electric vehicle for you and then when they see the very like the the the, the things you don't like the maintenance that you don't have to do that you have on ice you know engines with the with your lubrication and so on and so forth all of the things yeah they, there's all these different things that you don't have to do it was so nice and, too when you know tommy brought his model 3 to atlanta when i met with him and these, these insurance aviation insurance people trip yeah so I, tommy i stayed in the same hotel and he does model 3 there and and they had you know of course there was electric charging there and he just left it in overnight yeah you know and it was full the next morning and we just be able to use it for days it's incredible it's just it's I, so it's 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 a whole different world and again you're used to it because you've been around for so long but there are plenty of people that haven't experienced it yet now what is what do you own as your 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 daily drivers or that you i know you own multiple vehicles but that you drive all the time so i have a a 2015 model s tesla Mm -hmm. 2018 model three um i also have a, a, a 2008 roadster but it's, oh, you have an it's in really, I, I got really lucky. I bought it at the bottom of the market okay. some years ago. I don't drive it too much because it's really nice shape. Mm-hmm. But anyway, then we we bought a Rivian um, a little over a year ago, and which are made in Arizona, isn't that right? I think yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Down Phoenix and, area. Um, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I know Lucid is. Um, oh wait, yeah, Riv- wait a minute. No, Rivian is Lucid from is. normal. You're- Illinois, yeah, correct. That's right. Lu- yeah. Lucid, Lucid, Lucid is down there. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that, Lucid yeah. or Rivian. But anyway, um, but my my wife, uh, she likes to go fast. She she likes the acceleration <laughs> of the Tesla, but she was intimidated because the pickup is pretty big. I mean, it's not as big as some of the really big pickups, but it's much bigger than it's, that. It's considered full size in its class. Like an F one fifty is full size. The full is yeah. going to be a full size or a Dodge Ram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's more or less like that. Anyway, once she drove it, she said, "It's mine." and i kind of got it for my my shop and and so now everyone has to go go to the boss go to her that's right please take the truck to get something with please but (laughs) that's that's an insane vehicle um it's you can you can seat comfortably five really big people and it'll go zero to 60 in three seconds i mean it's 
roughly three seconds. I mean, oh. it doesn't need to be that fast. And it's just like it just is. Uh, it's seventy five hundred pounds or something like that. Yeah, they're, all these things are heavy because of the battery, as you know. But in that, that's going to come around more and more with the newer technology and. But it's Energy got a 300 density. mile range. Yeah, sure. there That's, you go. That it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then with the Model S, well, the Model S, all, all the the cars, not the SUV or crossovers that Tesla has, but like their rollover crash rating is incredible. Yeah, because it's, it's super such, because safe. all the batteries right. in the, uh, you right. know, they're in the bottom. Like the, that's there's just so many positives that I can't keep, seem to come up with a negative. The negative used to be range, which yeah. is slowly improving, but also is less worrisome as more and more stations sure. come available. Sure. And now recently with Tesla becoming the now the standard or that is, that is going to be put forward as the standard for charging, everybody is going to be able to just stop at a Tesla charging station. I would say most people who dis electrics have not driven one. I would say you're probably correct. Yeah. It's going to be a few holdouts no matter what they say because sure. they just yeah. want to hear the noise. That's and right. it, is, it is cool. You're saying, like, I love like a P51 Mustang with a with a V12 yeah. doing a fast. There's nothing like hearing. There's it. nothing. It's like, holy cow. But I was, like Joe said, too, there's something about being totally quiet and going zero to 60 in three seconds yeah. and then zipping around quietly that's also kind of is a holy cow kind of thing because it's just it's not it doesn't seem normal but it's like this is so cool you can stealthily cruise around i always felt that all the gasoline powered people should really like thank the electric vehicle community because it only makes more oil available for them correct yeah, for the long run you it, can have all these less demand really well jay leno they has never do that spoken about that have you heard about his his view on electric vehicles uh yeah. well remind me okay so <laughs> He, he, he said, uh, what's going to happen is, is eventually in the future, we won't have electric vehicles that are your daily driver. Or we won't, excuse me, electric vehicles will be your daily driver, which will allow for us to have these really cool classic cars, hot rods, and things like that. And that our are classic gonna, meets and stuff that, like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's going to make it so that it's more cost effective because instead of buying, changing the oil, changing the tires, changing the brakes, changing the, da, 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 all these things, you have to do more. Actually, no, I take the back. Tires on electric vehicles, apparently they... Well, it depends so on heavier. how you behave. Well, yeah, but they're heavier, too. They wear out a, a, a bit faster is what yeah. I've been told. But anyway, everything else, he basically said it's going to make it easier because you'll just have your daily driver that's still wicked fast, silent, charges right. at home, charges at work, charges when you're traveling, and, and you don't have to worry about it. And then you can go out and take your 67 Fastback Mustang and take it to the track or your your Chevy 2 Nova that has a blown 54, 454 in it, you know, and, and run, <laughs> just rip down the track. Or go to and your donuts you, meeting on Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, car, sure. your cars, and, cars and coffee meet up on a Saturday morning. Absolutely. Well, and, and, you're, and you're, you're, so you're correct in saying, like, it's just going to it's going to make the it's going to save more oil for the rest of them. Right. So I'll, I, I like cars. I like I like mechanical stuff. That's how I got into a lot of these things mm -hmm. in my life. Uh, and what I really like is converting cars because there's a lot of classic cars that, you know, for parts or mechanics or whatever, um, you know, you can't really, other than you can rebuild an engine and do that sort of stuff. But anyway, mm -hmm. I just read about there's a company in England called Electrogenics that does a lot of really nice stuff. And they just converted and they restored and converted a 1929 Rolls Royce. Oh, wow. And, you know, wow. I, I, that's what I look forward to is having a big cruiser, classic cruiser of some sort, making it electric. Yeah. Because, I mean, the older engines and mileage and whatever, there's all that sort of stuff. So it just, I and it in some ways it's easier to 
to restore a, a vintage vehicle with electric stuff than to try to put all the mechanicals back together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so, the, the later, yeah. La- lately, uh, the trend in the past five to maybe eight years or so from, I have a couple guys that I'm good friends with that are hot rodders, Jesh included, is the LS motor that was in, it came in Corvettes, a handful of, the, they had the Pontiac GTO resurgence back in the 2000s. A lot of those vehicles that they, that though that LS V8 was in is they have people have crashed them they've rolled them whatever they're totaled out the engine and transmission are solid and i when i say solid i mean like toyota quality yeah. Two hundred thousand mm-hmm. mile engine so people wow. are pulling these cars they 60 70 80,000 miles and it's the cheap conversion rather than trying to find parts <laughs> yeah. for mm-hmm. a 68 chevelle you just you just take your engine and transmission you're just your powertrain from a 2007 corvette that somebody wrapped around a telephone pole and throw that in there and they're doing crazy stuff with that so it'd just be even easier to go one step further and go full electric right and i right. i could see that that the resto mod craze has really taken taken over and i like i like i love the idea of an electric uh old royce rolls royce <laughs> like i just love that idea. it's like how can we make it even heavier yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of those old engines, you know, they had to be really huge because they that's, didn't have a lot of horsepower. Right, that's right. true. Yeah. And, and so. because they were probably kind of detuned a little bit, like they were probably really smooth too, like riding smooth and 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 stable. So they were added a lot of pounds to them too, as well. They're just kind of big. Well, and if you rocks, you know, with the batteries, you can totally dial in the weight distribution. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I didn't even think about so that. That's where, where you, yep. you don't have yeah. to put them anywhere in particular you can mount them all over the damn body i didn't even think about that for that would be incredible for racing we uh, one of our first vehicles uh, we participated on was a 66 volvo 544 you know it looks like an old 40s ford yep Mm -hmm. and uh it was a friend of mine in seattle and she just drove around town so it didn't have to be freeway speed Mm -hmm. but we did a dc conversion and we um put the battery all in the in the in the where the engine used to be it was only a 72 volt system but it would go 50 miles an hour which is more than you need in the city mm-hmm. anyway when that thing hold was done and it was it was probably maybe a 35 mile range not all that much mm-hmm. but it weighed less than when it was a gas car. yeah that makes sense yeah i can see that <clears throat> now do you have a um a, a tesla pickup truck on order a cyber truck Oh, I you know I I put a deposit on in every of those trucks waiting for whoever was going to be the first one. And the Rivian <laughs> was the first one. Yeah. So, uh, so you'd ask me about what I have. Okay, I also have a 1980 commuter car, which is like the one sitting out in front of Mister D's. Oh, oh yeah, the little, little, little wedge shaped deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those were they built four thousand of those. That mm-hmm. was the um, I don't know if it was the 30s or 40s. But anyway, between somewhere 30s or 40s and the Nissan Leaf, that was the largest production electric vehicle for a long time. Oh, wow. 4,000 units. Wow. I mean, the first, the the Tesla Roadster, I think they only made like 23, 2,400, yeah. something like that. Yeah, the Leaf was, yeah, they were early on, bigger early on, and the latest uh, early on. The, uh, yeah, the, yeah, this go around. <laughs> I, I, I had a, I had a, a, a Toyota Prius, and then when I was able to buy my my first one was a 2013 Model S, and it was really weird because I'd go by a gas station, and there was this ob- really strange unconscious thing that I needed to stop to pull for some in. Reason. Yeah, no, it was really it was visceral, <laughs> and it didn't last very long. But I'm going like, 
well, I don't, well, no, but if I do, well, I can't. And it's like, well, no, just keep going. That's it was really, really funny. It was really weird. That getting rid of that habit would be, I, 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 I don't even know. You almost have to plan. Uh, my, my daughter has a, a Prius or her boyfriend has a Prius and uh, she had a Prius while she was in college. And I know I was thinking road trips would be different in your, say, early 20s. Right. Because you plan around fuel stops and you plan, oh, we're going to grab a bite to eat here. We're going to do this around a fuel stop or whatever. And then you just don't have to do that anymore. Then you have to, oh, shit, we need to plan for an actual food stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they'll regularly drive from uh, Tucson up to Grand Junction, Colorado. And yes, so so gas stations or convenience store gas stations are actually now used just for getting coffee or, a, yeah. you know, a candy bar or something in the coffee or and no whatever no fuel snack it's, or it's, something. it's such a i can't wait for me to have that visceral reaction because i'm sure i will at some point or i'll just scream past a gas station and give them the finger and just and or be, be like guy. oh god it regulars only a 327 let's go oh i don't need yeah, to do good. that 327 <laughs> you know, cheap prices yeah. and all of our electricity i presume most all of our electricity is you know american-made if it is, we don't import for the most electricity Correct. like we do with Correct. petroleum. Yeah, that's yeah. people saying all these subsidies. I'm thinking, I'm I'm sorry. Let's have a conversation about subsidies and how many billions or trillions of dollars over the years that we spent to defend our oil, our quote, our yeah. oil that's somewhere else around the world. Yeah, it by the the U.S. Department of Defense. <laughs> that's a subsidy. Mm -hmm. Well, if there <laughs> so. wasn't electricity, even if it's generated by a gas generator. I don't know if you'd have petroleum because if you look at the exploration, the drilling, mm -hmm. the pumping out, mm -hmm. okay, transported by coal or you know, crude oil burning ships, but mm -hmm. every, when as soon as it hits land, it it's all dependent on electricity, and the refining is all done electrically. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing how much electricity gets used to have gasoline. <laughs> it's <laughs> and how efficient are like what what's the average efficiency of an electric uh, motor? in a vehicle it's in the 90 percent right 85 90 percent efficient yeah, roughly yeah somewhere in there and ice engines are 20 22 23 percent efficient maybe if, if you if you want to go go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole we can talk about the 100 mile per gallon carburetor that was suppressed sure. <laughs> sure, i don't no. know that that was a thing i know gasoline technology was suppressive but i don't think i don't know about the carburetor but yeah you're right the, the it's incredibly inefficient the rest uh, of it going out in form of heat. Yeah. You know, yeah. it goes right out the yeah, tailpipe. Well, I'd love to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. Yeah. So what do you think? Are we going to wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up, Kent. I, thank you so much for being on the show and your pleasure. This is twice now I've gotten to have just enlightened conversation. I don't get a lot of that unless I have to talk to this guy, and I think we both exhaust <laughs> each other. <laughs> well, uh, Joe and Paul, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. It's been really fun. and. Sitting here at the uh, fantastic headquarters and the airport here, high in the Tower of Wisdom. <laughs> the Tower of oh. Wisdom, Joe. Oh, That's where we are now. You're going to have to get a new headphones for how big his head's going to we'll get. We'll get a new uh, like, T-shirt, the Tower of yeah, Wisdom. The tower, welcome to the Tower of Wisdom. Is there some way someone should, are you guys ready to go public with a fundraising yet and all that? Should somebody should can get a hold of you or the organization or not quite? quite yet oh we're always ready for fundraising okay but, uh i mean we're still getting our act together but uh hevf.org okay is uh the website for the foundation and we're developing another one for the it'll be the electric vehicle museum um so uh we're we're launch we're getting ready to do more 
promotion around that. But yes, we would love people to join the foundation, and if uh, they'd like to make a contribution, we'll we want to make this uh, a valuable experience for anyone who comes and visits. When, Absolutely. Once is, we get it done, is there a uh, a rendering of the facility on on that website yet that you have? Is, it, is that kind of uh, that public yet, or not quite? We're okay. getting there, but okay. As soon as I know, and I'll find out. I'm sure from Tasha. As soon as that goes live, we will promote it on here and through various forms of social media and whatnot. Well, great to check Thank out you. the facility and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, when I on, on this as a side note, how long are you in town for? Until uh, Thursday, about noon. Today's Tuesday, right? Yep. Tuesday, it is Wednesday. Tuesday. We can go for a flight, maybe in the next couple of days. Oh, that'd be fun. Before we, uh, I'm looking forward to the day we get to go up and fly electric. That's, yes, that's been my dream. Which, so, so there's a DA-40 fuselage, and there's another DA-40. There's a version of that right now from Diamond. You, you, you want to brought this up, I think, because they're, they're, they're building electric versions of these right now. Yeah, um, I missed uh, Air Venture this year. I wish I really could have gone. Yeah, I, it, I haven't so been in fast. years, but yeah, they have a big, they have like a the big, a big belly uh, battery uh, hold, uh, Joe. So that, like on that airplane right there, the uh, right the f- full airplane. Yes. back there. There's a, a I don't know if it's still a DA forty, DA forty electric DA forty DA forty E or something like that. But they're they're building those now. Oh, that's um, cool. So yeah, and then maybe buy aircraft. That's too long of a story. We'll have to like if it come. When are you gonna come back in town again? <laughs> we'll have you on again. We'll do part two. Talk more about electric propulsion for well, aircraft. I'll come and stuff. to town just for that. You just let me know. Okay, okay. sounds good to me. We will we'll do that. We'll get by aircraft in here too, and arm us with those guys and make them awesome. Hurry up their their uh, their uh, their certification on their electric aircraft. Yeah. Out, of, out of Colorado and put a charging station here at the Kingman Airport. The talk has been happening. Yep, a little bit. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Kent. Kent, Paul. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Have a good week, folks.